Well, hello, and welcome to this episode of the new Probe podcast. I'm going to be your host today, Paul Rutherford. I'm a research associate here at Probe Ministries, and we're going to be talking about a new book that's coming out, already has come out, and I'm excited to talk about it and have a guest in studio to talk about it, too. Uh, Our guest today is none other than Probe Ministries President Kirby Anderson. Kirby, glad you're here. Always good to be with you. I'm looking forward to this because we're going to be talking about tactics today. Exactly. Greg Kogel's book, Tactics. That's the book we're going to be talking about. And if you haven't heard of it, it is a fantastic book, and it is basically a book that will allow you to have a conversation with someone about what you believe. The tagline for the book, Tactics, is a game plan for discussing your Christian convictions. So it's a really good, really specific, really granular level kind of instruction guide, almost kind of a handbook. Is that a fair estimate of what you would call that on how to have this kind of a conversation? That's exactly what I would say. Greg Kokel has uh, had the book come out 10 years ago, and now we have a 10th anniversary edition. So it is new. Anybody that has the old book probably wants to get the new one because there's new chapters and other material. But he's always said that in some respects, Paul, this was the missing piece. How many times have we gone to conferences and learned about evangelism, gone to conferences, maybe learned about apologetics? Mm -hmm. But then when it came time, to have a conversation with somebody, and we find ourselves a little bit stumped. And so he has been able to actually add what I think is the missing piece, really, in a sense, to learn some just basic tactics. And a lot of it just simply has to do with the fact that we just need to know how to answer basic questions. Yeah. This is really good, and that totally makes sense. It is kind of a missing piece, and I would agree that that's this book's significance in my life and in my my walk with the Lord, my ability to share my faith. It really helped me bridge that gap between what I knew, all this knowledge that I have in my head, all these ideas, and strung them together, and and gave me, you know, a game plan not to repeat of the phrase too often used from the tagline, but it, it gave me uh, something, a plan of action. It gave me something, okay, I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. And that's really helpful. Part of the reason we're talking about this book today is because Zondervan is re-releasing it in its 10th edition, 10th anniversary edition. So I think it's technically the second edition, right? Yes. So this is newly, newly re-released. It's newly old. It's still wonderful. It's all the same great stuff. And so that's part of the reason that's bringing it about today. So really for the rest of the conversation, we're going to be talking about this book. We're going to be talking about how it's going to benefit you who's listening right now and how it can help you grow in your ability to be an ambassador for Christ. Now, this book is written by Greg Kokel, who is the president of Stand to Reason. And Stand to Reason, their organization is, exists to create and empower ambassadors for Christ. Is that a fair estimation? It certainly is. And that's really one of the things they talk about. So even as we talk about this and maybe even make the book available to anybody listening to the podcast, I might also send them to the website, to str.org, which is Stand to Reason, because you will find all sorts of videos. You'll find a study guide. There is a DVD that goes with it and a lot more. The book is enough, but if you want additional material or like to see how it interacts, that's the case. Uh, Greg has been doing radio, as I have, for more than 30 years now, and so you can even listen to or watch some of the radio programs and see how he responds to a skeptic that calls in and how he uses some of these ideas, or also how he helps an individual that's a Christian trying to figure out how to witness to their friends. And I might just mention, just before we get into the basics of the book, this applies not only if you're sharing the gospel with somebody and sharing this and doing 
doing evangelism, but I've even had Greg on the program talk about how to use these same tactics when you want to talk about, say, the pro-life issue, Mm. or you want to talk about same-sex marriage. I mean, he's written on a variety of other issues. So this is appropriate for any kind of conversation you have when somebody is maybe challenging you, asking you a question, or making a statement, and you sort of wonder, okay, what do I say next? Mm -hmm. And this book is all about what might I ask as a question next to start the conversation and move it down the road. You know, and I think that's one of my favorite things about this book is that it's a conversation. It's, It's designed with the conversation in mind. There's so many things that I have read over the years in apologetics or going to apologetics conferences. Again, like I already said, but it's very... It's ideas. Here are the ideas, right? It's a lot of, I love philosophy, right? And I love yeah. to listen to philosophers. And like, let me lay out the ideas for you. And then let's think about how these ideas are connected. And that's great and wonderful and good, especially at understanding how the ideas work together, right? But it's another thing to have a conversation. And that's really what this book is about. Because in conversations, first off, they're real, right? They're they're genuine. They're people interacting. And you don't know where they're going to go. There's a certain sense of adventure in conversation, right? Because you don't know what the other person's going to say. They might go in a completely different direction. They might ask a question. And this book really really focuses in on all those dynamics and allows you to have something in your mind, regardless of where the person goes that you're going to talk with, where you're going to go next or what you're going to do. So, One of his chapters is on diplomacy versus D-Day. And I think sometimes we think like we have to make this statement. It has to be a war. It has to be a, a gotcha question or whatever. And yeah. he says, this is more diplomacy. This is kind yeah. of back and forth. This is like doubles tennis or something, you know, and uh, just an opportunity to toss the conversation back in their court, see what they say. And of course, a lot of it has to do with asking questions because... Yes. If you think about it, uh, somebody said that Jesus asked about 300 questions wow. in, the, in the gospel. Is it really that many? Yeah, that's what Greg Kogel says, and Does others he? have said the same thing. I believe it. So it's a ton. I'll believe it. It's a ton, uh, yeah. But the bottom line is, is if he asks questions, we should ask questions. But yeah. more importantly, as you well know, Paul, when we're dealing with somebody with a different religious view, a different worldview, sometimes we can make the mistake of assuming that they believe something yes. that isn't necessarily what they believe. Mm -mm. And so by asking questions, some of it is just to try to get information Mm -hmm. so that you can kind of keep the conversation going. So again, there is some real value in asking questions. There really is. This book really helps you figure out how those questions can be asked. And I know that's so good for me because, man, that's one of my struggles. It's just like, is pride, just being arrogant in the assumption, maybe not thinking I'm better than the other person, but just the, having the assumptions up in my head and not bothering to reflect on, oh, well, you know, maybe they don't believe this, right? And there's just, there's a real humbling, there's a real humility you communicate when you just ask the question. Like, as you said, for some, for understanding, you ask questions for lots of reasons, just as Jesus did. But when you ask, hey, what about this? Do you do you agree with that statement, right? And then you get to know the person, and that communicates value to the other person and love to the other person. That develops the relationship. There's a lot of benefit to that, and that's great. So, with all that said, let's get more into the book. Let's start the discussion in terms of what does the book say? Like, why don't you tell us more, Kirby, about what this book is about and what Greg Kokel's communicating through tactics? You can really break the book down into two sections. The first section is what's called the game plan, and that gets you into Columbo. And we'll okay. talk about Lieutenant Columbo in just a minute, because Lieutenant Lieutenant Columbo, for those of you that are listening that are a little bit older, you remember the TV show. But even if you're younger, you maybe have seen it before. Yeah, the one starring Peter Falk. And he would just ask all sorts of questions. So he gives you, in that first section, if you will, the Columbo tactic and breaks it down. And we will do that. And then in the second part, finding the flaws, uh, there is a fair amount of material that's in the old book. But there are some new chapters that he's added to that. So now there are 19 chapters 
characters in the book. Some of them have been moved around a little bit. So in some respects, you've got the Columbo <laughs> tactic, which is where we're going to focus probably most of our time and attention, but we'll then mention yeah. a few other things along the way. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that assessment. The Columbo tactic really is kind of the meat of the book. Like That's the key insight that's really, really super helpful. So Columbo, like you said, for younger listeners myself somewhat included i saw columbo maybe two episodes when i was really young because my mom was watching it on daytime afternoon television columbo started in the late 60s on i think it was the nbc network so it was a tv series and it was sort of a not quite a whodunit but it featured lieutenant columbo played by peter falk the brilliant and wonderful peter falk often the episodes the writers created them that in the very beginning you would know what the what the crime was so the the viewer knows what happened and so, really, the viewer is watching Lieutenant Columbo try and figure out what happened. And he does it through lots of questions. And so, I, I think that's what Kokel is queuing in on in terms of learning, trying to uncover what has already happened and what's already there, at least in this conversation for someone what they really believe and what they think is true, just by asking questions. Yes. So, that's kind of the key insight. That's kind of the key imprint was Lieutenant Columbo. And Greg Kokel will dress up with a trench coat and a plastic cigar. Yes. yes. So, he even looks like it. Which you know, is and do that. You know, what I got the character a problem here. Like. Or, yes. You know, you seem like an intelligent person. Maybe yes. you can clear up something for me. And then he starts to leave and says, just one more thing. And then just one more thing. <laughs> the and one more thing. Question, that part. Questions. But I you might say, part. okay, how does that fit? Well, what happens is, is that people will come to you with some kind of statement. Maybe they see that you've got a Bible and they go, okay, well, you know, I can't really take the Bible too seriously because it was written by men. So Greg says, well, mm -hmm. do you have any books in your library? Do you find any truth in those books? Those are written by humans. Mm -hmm. And um, certainly that's the case. Uh, why do you think uh, that the Bible is less truthful or reliable than other books you own? Or do people always make mistakes when they write? And, and you, you, know, you start the conversation in that direction. Or in my area, sometimes you get some things about politics. You'll have people say, you know, I don't think it's right that you can force your views on someone else. You know, you can't yeah, legislate that's a real morality. You hear that all mm -hmm. the time. And so Greg Kogel says, well, I don't know. You could ask questions like, well, do you vote? When you vote for someone, you're expecting your candidate to pass laws reflecting your point of view. Wouldn't that uh, be essentially forcing your views on others? You know, those are the kind of simple, almost uh, disarming yeah. kind of questions. Even sometimes people will say, well, you believe you're right. And you say, well, yes, but. Actually, just even that statement seems to imply that you believe that you're right and I'm wrong. Mm. And, and those those questions sometimes are uh -huh. terribly disarming because they've they've heard the cliche, they've developed the rhetoric, but it causes them to pause for a minute and go, "Huh, yeah, I guess I do believe <laughs> that I'm right." I wouldn't have said that if I didn't. You know, the person that says, well, there are no absolutes. Well, is that an absolute? I mean, they're just obvious questions. That's a classic. Ask, right? And that's so a that's classic what one. I think tactics is all about. That um, asking a question, like a Lieutenant Columbo, who just, let me ask you another question here. Real, yeah, I just got a question, real quick, you know, <laughs> um, is something that can be very useful, first of all, to gain information. And that's the kind of the first part of the Columbo tactic, yes. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, it is. And that's what I, I want to get into next. So when we talk about the Columbo tactic. Typically, we're talking about, depending on how you define it, and I'm not sure 
to be honest, Kokel's real clear in his book. It, it seems between three and four questions. Yes. But the first one is definitely, what do you mean by that? Right. The first one is clarification, just like you're saying. Asking for a clarification, asking for understanding. Sometimes it can genuinely because you don't understand. Yes. Or it can be just because something was unclear. He wants you to clarify this. What did you, you said you don't think absolute truth exists. What, what, do you, what do you mean by that? How do you define truth? And it allows you to define terms. It allows you to get past some potential misunderstanding just between you and the other person, which is a key foundation, right? That's a key first step in having a conversation with another person. Are you, as I'm learning at the marriage ministry at my church, communication is mutual understanding, <laughs> right? Where I'm tempted to either fight with my wife or, you know, try and argue over who's right. More important to communication is mutual understanding. And that first question in the Colombo tactic, what do you mean by that? allows you to do that. So what's the next part to the Columbo? Well, again, just to pick Kirby. up on that for just a second is sometimes oh, okay. people say, I think Please. you're intolerant. You're trying to say, well, what do you mean by that? Because sometimes they'll come back and say, well, I think you're intolerant because you believe you're right. Well, then you come back to the point of, well, I believe you're right. Or I think you're intolerant in that you only believe that there's one way or, you know, something like that. So sometimes mm-hmm. it's trying to figure out what's behind that. But the first is, of course, to actually gather information. But the second set of questions are reversing the burden of proof. Okay. You know, and you've already sort of alluded to that. How do you know that? You know, if indeed people make all sorts of incredible sweeping statements about this, that, or the other, there are in some cases a need for you to uh, have them explain a little bit more. You know, do you believe in evolution? What do you mean by evolution? There's more than one kind. Uh, what about all the evil in the world? What do you mean by evil? What makes bad things bad? Or another one, uh, do you take the Bible literally, you know? Well, it depends on what you mean literally. I mean, in some respects, you're trying to get them to, in a sense, explain why they made that statement. And most of the time, as Greg has pointed out, you get kind of the deer in the headlights look. Kind of like, <laughs> I just say that. This is the first time anybody's asked me to defend that view, I'm used to just saying that as sort of a brush block. I'm just going to, you know, say that. You won't say anything. We're done. And all of a sudden, you're asking me to defend that point of view. And that's the reversing the burden of proof. Yeah. Saying, okay, you've made that statement. It's reasonable as a statement. But what gives you the evidence that that statement is true. And once you push it that direction, you're really on to the conversation, aren't you? I love the way you put that. The brilliance of this tactic, of this uh, strategy in asking questions, asking these kinds of questions in particular, as we're talking about now, these, well, how did you come to that conclusion? Mm -hmm. How did you draw that conclusion? How how did you arrive? What are your reasons for believing what you just said? It's wonderful because, like you just said, a lot of times conversations end with people saying, oh, well, you know, no one can know the truth. Right. And then, like you just said, often people just kind of throw that out and it ends up being a conversation stopper. It's the end of a conversation. Whereas using the Columbo tactic, as Coco lays out in this book, Tactics, it propels the conversation forward. It moves past those roadblocks, those conversation blocks, those conversation stoppers and allows the conversation to continue, which would be great. Yeah. And again, questions like, I'm curious, why does that uh, make you think it happened that way? Or why does that idea seem compelling to you? Again, he says that the first Columbo question helps you know what a person thinks. The second question helps you know why he or she thinks that way. It charitably assumes that that person actually has come to that conclusion and has Mm -hmm. reasons for that view. Mm -hmm. And what you find out is oftentimes they don't have reasons for that view. (laughs) Or very good ones. Or it's a a rhetorical 
little flourish, but it keeps the conversation going. Instead of being a conversation stopper, it's really, in some respects, a conversation starter. And that's really what the Colombo tactic is all about. Right. So if the first question of the Colombo tactic is, what do you mean by that? The second question is, how did you come to that conclusion or variation, which could be, what are your reasons for believing that? What is the third question in the Colombo tactic? The third one is kind of using questions to make a point. And I've already okay. sort of alluded to some of those. Let me yes. just give you a couple of ideas. Yeah, let's talk but, about this. You know, for example, you're intolerant. Well, can you tell me what you mean by that? Why would you think I'm an intolerant person? You know, it's really trying to uh, add some clarification to that, carrying that conversation on. Well, it's because I think you think you're right and everyone who disagrees with you is wrong, and that's intolerant. Well, you're right. I do think my views are correct. Of course, it's also possible I'm mistaken, and we could talk about that if you like. But what about you? You seem to be disagreeing with me. Do you think your views are right? <laughs> okay, that really puts it back on their court. But I'm not intolerant like you. Well, that's the part that confuses me. Why is it when I think I'm right, I'm intolerant? Yes. And why you think you're right when you're just right? What am I missing here? And those are those conversations <laughs> that almost immediately open up a lot of conversation or yeah. shut down because a person then just at this point wants to start name calling. But then sure. they pretty quickly figure out that that isn't taking them anywhere. Yeah. And to our listener, I just want to add this comment. If you're familiar with this book, maybe you've already read it, and maybe you're just not putting it into practice. Because of this podcast, you decide to start doing that. That'd be great. But just let me encourage you, you know, if you have a conversation and you ask those first two questions, and then you get to something that's kind of a stumper, and you put a question to the other person, hey, you know, as this case in this example that you mentioned, Kirby, about intolerance, when someone says, well, yeah. you're intolerant, and then you basically ask a question to point that out. Well, why is it when I think I'm right, I'm intolerant? But when you think you're right, you're just right. And so what I'm encouraging you here, listener, if that happens to you and it's a stumper and it, they don't have anything to say, I just want to encourage you, like, that is okay. Because sometimes people, they just have never heard that question and maybe that's the only thing that they need. But if they're ready and willing to talk about it, then go for it. But listener, if you try this question and it you feel as though it bombs and it drops and maybe you hurt the friendship. I just want to encourage you. You didn't. You really, really love them well by maybe asking a question that no one else in their life is asking them. And so regardless of how they respond, asking these questions has a ton of value. So please continue to, to do that or start if you haven't already. And Greg has another idea that he sometimes communicates that uh, he said in many of his speeches, and that is, I just want to put a pebble in your shoe. Yes, uh, and the input, I love that. And the idea there is that sometimes when you're in a situation, you don't have somebody immediately saying, oh, wait a minute, oh, now I think your idea is right. Yes. Oh, I'm ready to become a Christian. Or, oh, I've uh, seen this before, though. Sometimes people call themselves pro-choice, and within three or four questions, they say, I have, I'll be darned. I guess I'm pro-life after all, you know, that kind of stuff. But most of the time, that doesn't happen. Most of the time, people go away, and they're bothered by the questions. They're bothered by the inability to respond to them. They're bothered by the uh, flaw that you actually pointed out mm -hmm. in their logic. Mm -hmm. And they can brush it off for a while, but it's like a little pebble in their shoe. And you know, as you walk along, you eventually just got to stop and pull that out because it's driving me crazy. And mm -hmm. so there is a sense in which even if the conversation ends abruptly, 
that doesn't necessarily mean that you haven't made some progress in moving a person closer to the gospel or closer to a biblical conclusion about a particular issue. Yeah, that's so good. You know, Kirby, we're pretty deep into our time, and I know that there are several other things I want to get to, but there's just something that's really valuable that can be said for managing expectations on our part as we're sharing our either our convictions or the gospel whatever the conversation is or just inquiring someone about their beliefs on being pro-choice or whatever the conversation spins on this book greg kokel's tactics greg kokel brings with him such a refreshing expectation for himself as you put it that all he wants to do is put a pebble in somebody's shoe and that's such a relief for i know for myself i just often struggle with this expectation man i've got to like do this four-point gospel i've got to sit down with them we've got to talk for an hour you know and i want them to pray to receive christ at the end right that's sometimes in my mind i'm thinking that's my expectation and if i don't do that i've totally failed but greg kokel would say no that's an unreasonable expectation if it happens it's great but don't expect yourself to do that he uses the analogy in his book about being a gardener, mm-hmm. whereas someone who Very brings good. someone to the Lord is a harvester. They're yeah. bringing in the, the, the crop that's already ripe and ready. But the truth is, that's the very end of a long process. As any farmer knows, or any if you have ever done a garden or grown plants for yourself, you know it takes time. It takes watering, cultivation, takes care, takes a lot of things. And Kokel in his book says that, that most of us are gardeners, and that most of the time we should be gardening. Sometimes you'll harvest, and that's great. And some people, as we know... You can see Billy Graham, for example, is kind of the icon. They're harvesters. That's what they do. They're gifted for it. They're equipped for it. They're called to it. That's what they do. And that's great. And that's fine. But most of us are not harvesters, shall we say. And so it's somewhat of an unrealistic expectation. So I wanted to take a a side tangent there just to talk about expectations and how this book has such a great mentality and attitude about expectations, especially in having these conversations. So just by asking the question is often really just the point. And if it sparks a great conversation, then that's good. But if it doesn't, sometimes that's okay too. And maybe that's all you got to do for that conversation. So with that aside, this third question in terms of the Colombo tactic, as you said, it's it's using a question to either lead them somewhere or to expose, really it's a contradiction. Again, I'm a philosopher, I'll use my philosopher's right. terms, right? It, it is a belief that entails a contradiction or is inherent to it or assumes it, which is to say that for you to come to that conclusion, you have to presuppose something that contradicts something within the argument itself. And so by asking the question, you expose that contradiction, Right. And so that's really the third piece. And this is where I get into the maybe unclarity on my part. Greg Kokel, if you're listening, I'm sorry, maybe I misunderstood your book. Maybe that's all on me and that's fine. But I say this third section is either he borrows uh, Francis Schaeffer's terminology in terms mm-hmm. of taking the roof off. And if you've read Schaeffer, then you know what I'm talking about. He talks about Kirby. Feel free to chime in or correct me here if I've misunderstood Schaeffer. But someone's beliefs or their what he would call a worldview is, is like a house. And there's a foundation, there's worldview level beliefs about reality and truth and then there's evidence on the side which is the walls things that are facts that we think are true but then as we believe things or facts that are maybe not true lies i think we would call them scripture would call them in order to reconcile those we build a roof over those things and that prevents us from experiencing the rain or the consequences it shields us from the consequences of lies that we believe i'm kind of summarizing schaefer but that's what he's we build a roof over our inconsistencies in our worldview and so kokel is keying in on that and saying with this third question you're trying to take that roof off you're trying to take off the shield take off the cover and expose the inherent contradictions and point them out to the person lovingly caringly 
respectfully, but asking a question that exposes those. And so I would say he uses that language. It's, it's uh, this third question. The Colombo tactic is either to take the roof off using Schaefer terminology or to lead the person. And there's a whole section in one chapter that talks about, have you considered, right? And sometimes that is the third question. And again, one of the points I might make is once you finish that idea of those flaws, the second half of the book is all about that. And it really he is. owes such a tremendous amount to Francis Schaeffer. <clears throat> There's a chapter there on suicide, which talks about views that self-destruct, self-defeating kinds of arguments. We just saw one a minute ago. Yes. There, there are no absolutes. Well, is that an absolute? <laughs> it's like saying, I can't speak English. You just used English to <laughs> that say one's you funny. can't speak English. I like that one. You know, so those are some chapters. Chapters on suicide. Of course, you have a chapter, chapter 13 now, taking the roof off, which is, of course, Francis Schaeffer pointing out again the logical contradictions there and the, the situation where people might say, well, I think a woman has a right to kill a child in the womb if a child was conceived by incest. And he says, well, if there was a two year old here that was conceived by incest, you have a right to kill that child, right? No, and see that help them understand that that doesn't mm -hmm. fit. And then later on, he has a new chapter in there called Inside Out, and that's based on something else that Francis Schaeffer talked about, and that is what he calls the mannishness of man. And that is every human mm -hmm. being basically has some kind of human ideas. Uh, they're created in the image of God. They have kind of a human perspective. And so he starts out uh, talking in that chapter about when he finished this one particular presentation at the University of California at Berkeley, what he actually did was uh, start talking about guilt. And when he talked about that subject of guilt, I thought it was kind of interesting because he said, now, what do we, he didn't use the word guilt, he just simply asked them a question, what do we actually call a situation in which an individual is um, feeling bad about what they've done? And all these individuals, not Christians at all, said, well, that's guilt. And he said, okay, I didn't have to take a risk by saying guilt. I knew they would come up with the word guilt mm -hmm. because they feel guilt. Yes. And so then I raised the question, well, if you feel guilty, is it possible that you actually are guilty? You know, all the attempts hmm. to explain away hmm. guilt, yes. Richard Dawkins and yes. all those, yes. never really fit. And so a lot of these are where you take things <clears throat> that are on the inside, a sense of soulishness, a sense of conscience, a sense of guilt, a sense of believing there's more to life than life, mm -hmm. all sorts of aspects of the human condition okay. that in many ways actually help develop your idea of flaws. So anyway, yeah, the I second half of the about. book just takes on all those different flaws, and a lot of it is a debt of gratitude to a man by the name of Dr. Francis Schaefer. That's so great. And thank you for sharing that, Kirby, Because mostly because I don't have the new edition. <laughs> I've only read the first edition, and so that wasn't in my edition, and that's really great. And uh, that really helps clarify what he means by that phrase, the mannishness of man, uh, in terms of the, the humanity. What does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be man? What is the soul? Do we have a spirit? What is it like? Asking those questions and pointing to evidence that we see and we can all feel around us all the time. That's really good. So to sum up the the Columbo tactic, which again takes up the the, the majority of the book, it's a, it's really a series of asking three simple questions, and that is, what do you mean by that? Trying to clarify terms. How did you come to that conclusion? Trying to uncover reasons, and then either a combination of. Once you, once you understand where they're coming from, either exposing contradictions and saying, "Well, hey, when you said this, 
How did you, how did you come to that? Help me understand here because of this and this. Or also, you can use a leading question in terms of asking, well, have you considered this? And this is, gives you an opportunity to kind of insert either Christian teaching or something that you believe or a position that you hold. Well, ha- have you considered this? And that allows you the opportunity to share something that you think makes sense and then allow them, then uh, really ask them, well, have you thought about this? Well, here's how this could make sense. It kind of gives you that opportunity, that entree, that platform, that in to suggest a very different proposition or different line of thinking. So, having said that, if we scoot quickly, I have a couple more questions for you. So, we've kind of talked a lot about about the book. What does the book say? What does the book discuss? And hopefully, listener, you've understood that I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of this book. I'm a big fan of Standard Reason and of Greg Kokel. What they do is so great. Kirby, if you could tell our listener why they should read the book. Can you give us three reasons yes. why they should read the book? A couple of reasons. First of all, we'd have to say that uh, we all have a need for that missing piece. Like I said, you can study evangelism, you can study apologetics, and then when you go out to try to actually present that, you realize that the missing piece is tactics. You may have that head knowledge, but you haven't figured out how to engage the conversation with an individual. So number one, I think that it really prepares you to be a more effective ambassador for Christ. Number two, he talks about the 10-second issue, because what happens is, is that sometimes somebody says something, and you really have in round numbers about 10 seconds before you respond. And sometimes the biggest problem that you have, if you're an older person like me and can't necessarily come up with something instantaneously, or if you are maybe a person that's done a lot of study, you start wondering, what do I say first? You know, I, mm-hmm. I there are about 15 different things that mm-hmm. all of a sudden go through my mind. And that, of course, is when you don't necessarily know where to go to just simply ask a question. It just keeps the conversation mm-hmm. going. Mm-hmm. And so in some respects, if you are overprepared or if you feel that you're <laughs> underprepared, yes, as our listener or sometimes probably is. you haven't uh, been able to call something, you say, oh, okay, I remember this quote, but I can't remember it right now. There's about, uh, you know, about 10 second window there that you really need to have something to do and something to say. And that brings us really to the third point, which I sort of already alluded to. And that is uh, one of the things that Greg promises is that even if you haven't studied like some of these great apologists that we are talking about on these yes. podcasts, mm-hmm. even if you don't know how the best answers to arguments for the deity of Jesus Christ or arguments for the reliability of the Bible, you can always ask a question. Yeah, and uh, that's a good so, point. in some respects, no matter how prepared or unprepared you are, if you begin to realize the value of asking questions, sometimes your conversation can carry on for some time, even if you don't have the kind of expertise that maybe one of these accomplished <coughs> apologists might have. And, you know, when you look at this book, I mean, the introduction is by Lee Strobel, endorsements by Norm Geisler, William Lane Craig, it's uh, a who's Hank Hanegraaff, yeah. uh, Gary Habermas, yeah. J.P. Moreland, Paul Copan, Frank Turek, and all sorts of people. You say, well, I'm I'm not in their category. You don't have to be because asking a question is just something anybody can actually do. Okay, that's great, Kirby. So what I hear you saying is our listeners should read this book because, one, it will help fill in gaps yeah. that, that they have in, in terms of doing an apologetic method, shall we say. Two, it will equip them 
to do well in the limited window that they have in a conversation, right. in any given organic conversation. You've only got about 10 seconds yeah. before you respond or they move on. And this book will give you the equipment to make a good choice with that 10-second window. Right. And the third piece is that it will equip you to have a good conversation that's meaningful and helpful, even if you don't know a lot. Yeah. Because it's very simple. It's not so much about what you know as much as about what you can learn. Yeah. Which is a great piece of equipment to have in your toolbox uh, as an apologist, as a disciple of Jesus. That's fantastic. Wow, Kirby, you knocked that out of the park. I didn't know what you were going to do with that. I was going to kind of see where you went with that in terms of why should why should we read this book? I can't really endorse the book emphatically enough because I don't know if I've said this, but this book was basically formative in my walk with Jesus, formative for me as an apologist. I remember hearing this book in a lecture format by Greg Kokel at the Apologetics Conference where the Lord grabbed my heart and it was the it was the short weekend where that the Lord called me into apologetics. I knew it. Like I was in high school at the time and I went and I heard I heard a lot of great speakers and it was really great. But I remember Greg Kokel's talk on the Colombo tactic and that was that was one of them. And it was and so I'm just saying that this was a special piece of that in my own story for the Lord to call me into doing apologetics today. That was one special part of it. So I can't endorse it enough. I think it's great. Listener, you should go out and get a copy. Again, this is Tactics by Greg Kokel. It's a Zondervan Press book. It's in its 10th anniversary second edition this year, 2019. It is a Zondervan book, so you can get it through Zondervan. Anywhere books are sold, you can get it through Stand to Reason. STR.org is their website. We could probably fill another podcast talking about the harmony and the crossover between our organizations at Probe and at, at Stand to Reason. There's just a lot of, I would say, love between us because what they're doing is in so much in step with what we're doing and so much, I think, for you, listener, what, what we want for you in your relationship with the Lord and in your life, that you would be an ambassador for Christ who's confident in his faith, his or her faith. So you can always learn more about this by going to our website which is probe.org we have a similar if not uh the same resource i'll at least mention here which is the four killer questions and that is a perennially popular post at our website probe.org called the four killer questions check that out if you're interested you can learn more about that at probe.org thanks again for listening in to this episode i think we've learned a lot kirby thanks for jumping on with me it's been good to have you thank you and this is greg kokel's book tactics go check it out and we will see you next time